You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. If you enjoy our podcast, please share the link and give us a review on your favorite podcast player. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, with us here today is IFBB Pro Bodybuilder and BJJ Black Belt, Tyler Bray. Thanks for coming in, Tyler. We appreciate it. Long time no talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I've known you for... Uh, over 10 years now, probably around 12 or so. But I used to see Tyler around the different trade shows and he'd usually be competing in something like a, a dip contest or a, a BJJ tournament. What I always recognized and appreciated about him was his down to earth, humble demeanor, as well as his positive outlook on life and his can do attitude for pretty much everything. Um, it's one thing to say it, but he's proof positive when a good person has determination and a strong work ethic that there's nothing that we can't achieve. And in his 32 years, he's accomplished more physical feats than most people I know. Tyler's not only an IFBB pro bodybuilder, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, a former powerlifter and a personal trainer, but he was also born with spina bifida. So just for a second, Tyler, explain to us what uh, spina bifida is so everybody understands. Uh, spina bifida, it's a birth defect. And basically, my spine wasn't fully formed. So when I was born, uh, I had a hole in the bottom of my spine and they had to do immediate surgery to close that up. And then um, I'd have to ask my parents. But over my first two years, I had a ton of surgeries on my legs. Uh, my legs were slowly turning inward. So I actually had this um, kind of new surgery for the time. Uh, we flew in this doctor from another country because he's one of the few people in the world who knew how to do it. And they switched my adductors and abductors. So it would, oh, uh, yeah, it was, it was like really like kind of revolutionary for the time. And uh, it stopped my legs from like cramping and slowly turning inward and having that kind of tightness. So um, now I've never had any issues my whole life because of that surgery. But um, yeah, so that's the sum up of it. So you How old are you, Tyler? How old are you? 32. 32. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 32. And I've, I've known you since, yeah, you're in your 20s. Um, but even though you've had that surgery, how much use of your legs do you have? I think you have uh, like braces and things and that you wear. And don't you have crutches or something that you can kind of get around on? Yeah, I basically have my, my quads are fully functional, so I can leg press, I can walk around on crutches, I can do all of that. Um, I, I have adduction, I don't really have abduction, and I don't have much hamstring strength, but uh, when it comes to, you know, squeezing my knees together or any kind of pressing with my legs, I can do that a fair amount. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know you could leg press. I've actually seen a video of you on a treadmill and... Uh, yeah. And I think that was when you were dieting for your one of your shows or something. Yeah. But it ain't easy though, is it? I mean, I, you're you're well, holding no, on there, and I mean, for me, I, I think I worked up to like 13 minutes on a treadmill, and I'm drenched yeah. in sweat. It's it's really hard. Like, th you know, two minutes for me is like 10 minutes for someone else. But yeah. But that's what I like doing. That's one of the reasons I like doing it is I just slowly work up my time. And it gives my arms a break because everything I'm doing with my arms and I, if I just keep going, doing everything with my arms, that's not helping them stay big for my show. You know, I might kind of wither them away if I overuse them. 
So I like to do some of my cardio uh, on the treadmill with what I can get away with, with my legs, you know, however much time I can get away with and right. uh, spread out that calorie burn a little bit more. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've got me beat as far as time on the treadmill. That's for sure. <laughs> right, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the treadmill. Um, um, Tyler, when you're when you were growing up, uh, how did or when did you start getting interested in athletics? So you were you had the surgeries and all that stuff, and then you're a kid. Did you start taking lessons? Uh, what did you start doing first? How did you sort of get introduced to to athletics, sports, lifting, all that? Uh, my first thing was uh, getting involved with wrestling in seventh grade. Uh, I was always wrestling around with my buddies in the living room, and I loved WWF when I was a kid. So I was always roughhousing with my friends where they'd come over. And then my stepdad said, hey, you should actually try out for the wrestling team since you're going into middle school and they have a team. And uh, as soon as I got my first win there, I was hooked. So that's kind of what started all my uh, competitive, you know, journey. And, and how big of a role did your parents play as far as giving you the confidence or, or telling you, hey, you can do this and, and you know, it, it's you're no different you, than anybody else. You can get this stuff done. Yeah, I mean, uh, they were pretty open. They were pretty uh, relaxed and open. There was one or two periods of time where they were concerned for my safety, but 99% of the time they were kind of like, well, let's see what he can do. Yeah. We don't know that he can't do it. We don't want to assume he can't do it. So let's let's see what happens. And then when <laughs> I started getting a couple wins, I proved I could do it. So they just kind of let, let me do it. Yeah. It's, um, where are you from? <clears throat> I'm in uh, California, in uh, around Sacramento area. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what was next? Well, what? Uh, then what? Yeah. And then, well, so like life story. <laughs> um, well, I did. Tyler, wrestling. let me let me oh, ask you ahead. a question. Let me ask you a question real quick, though. Um, since we're on your parents, real quick. Um, I, were you the the first boy? I don't know if you have brothers or sisters or. Yeah, I got two brothers and three sisters. Were you the oldest, middle, last? I am. I'm the middle. You're the middle. So I would imagine, I mean, any parent is going to be concerned. You know, they have, uh, you know, here's their newborn. They've got spina bifida. It's like, you know, what, what kind of challenges are they going to face in life and what adversity and all that stuff? And and here, fast forward, and they must be just blown away by what you've been able to do. Like I said in the beginning, you've you've accomplished more physical feats than, than certainly the average person. I mean, they they must be totally on board, totally proud of you, just, you know, just in disbelief of what you've been able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And they've always been supportive. They've, they've always been there for every competition, no matter what sport it was, they've rarely missed anything. And there was a one point when I was going from middle school into high school, that's where they were a little nervous because of that step up in competition and the step up in physicality. But um, that was the only time they were a bit concerned about my safety. But again, once I got a win or two, I proved I could do it. So there was yeah. never really much of an issue in that, in that category. And uh, I would imagine growing up, you saw a lot of doctors and different things, specialists. What was their attitude with this growing up? Were they were they optimistic about what you would be able to, to, to do in life, how you'd be able to function? Or were they like, well, these are the cards you're dealt with. 
you know, just accept that you're going to be limited in, in some of the things that, uh, that you're going to be doing. What, what was, what was the, I never really asked <laughs> I never really asked him. I kind of just did my thing. If I wanted, if I, if something piqued my interest, I went and did it. I didn't really yeah. uh, ask for permission from anybody really, you know? So, yeah. uh, and then, and then by the time I would go to a doctor visit and we would tell him, Hey, or yeah, we would say that, Hey, I've been doing wrestling for a year now. <laughs> well, I'm already a year into it. What are you going to say? You know, like, don't do that. Like, well, I'm already two years in. I don't know. <laughs> you know? they're like, Tyler, what are you doing wrestling, man? You're going to hurt yourself. Did they, was there any of that uh, or just, Hey, not, do what you want? Not that I remember nothing like particular. I remember with any doctors, um, there was a thing I got to do when I was younger. I was probably in high school. So I was already four or five years into wrestling and doing a lot of the things that, that I went on to later do as like getting interested in them. And, uh, as the doctors were finding out all these things I was doing, they had me do a, a exercise video from my chair for other people in wheelchairs. So they kind of just said, okay, we'll, we'll roll with it. You know? Wow. Uh, okay. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um, now you said you started wrestling in seventh grade, but up to that point, were you like, uh, you know, I got to do something here. I got to get stronger. I got to be able to move around better. I mean, what was, what was your thinking up to that point? Um, I think that I'm not sure what age this started, but the mm -hmm. first thing that influenced me to start lifting for whatever reason, it was uh, my brother, my older brother. He was always working out in this side room. And every time I'd see him doing it, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I kind of want to do that. And then every movie I'm watching with Arnold in it, you know, Arnold is always saving the day and everything. And he's huge. I'm like, oh, I got to I got to go do some of that, <laughs> you know. So yeah. uh, between all the movies I'm watching and then seeing my brother working out, that's when I started working out with him a little bit. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just grabbed my 10 pound weights and started curling until I couldn't move anymore, you know. But uh, that's how it kind of started with my interest in uh, strength training. And then not long after that, I got into wrestling. And then I had a direct reason to strength train. And it took off from there. Okay. So you're wrestling in seventh grade. You start strength training after that while you're still wrestling, right? Yeah. And then you must have seen a big difference as soon as you start strength training with your wrestling. Because I would think that you know you've you've got to compensate in some areas that other people don't because well they don't they don't have spina bifida you know yeah actually i forgot about another strength related story um i was just i was a weird little kid i guess i, I always loved uh strength training exercise i i realized i was good at it quickly i guess and uh my very first competitive exercise activity was when i was in elementary school uh, we had a, um, we, we would always do push-ups in PE and, uh, the PE teacher would just have all of us kids go until everybody dropped. And I always won. I always did the most push-ups until everybody dropped. So I got a little ego boost out of that. And then one day I asked the teacher, Hey, what's, uh, what's the elementary school push-up record? And she said it was like 30 or something. So I said, okay, I'll beat that. So I beat that record, but I, I did like 35, but then some other kid from some other class, he heard that I did it. And then he did like 45. So then that got me going. <laughs> so, so then I did like banjos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this kid, yeah, this kid pissed me off. So then I went and did like 60. Then he did like 75. It went all the way up back and forth every week. He did a hundred. So this was some other weird little kid who was in like fifth grade, like me. 
uh, he did a hundred. I did 110 and on that hundredth, 110th rep, I said, okay, I'm done with this. I still got a little more in the tank. I'm not going to stop and I want to beat this kid. So I went all the way to 120 and I collapsed on the 120th rep. And then uh, the next day I was crazy sore for two weeks. Uh, I went and found the kid on the playground and I said, Hey, you gonna, are you going to try to break my record? And he said, no. <laughs> so I finally won. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my actually that was my real first um taste of uh exercise and being competitive like that and so you got that feeling you know you got that good feeling of the competition the winning and the confidence from doing that you know yeah and yeah. i think that's one of the things that sparked everything else down the road is like hey i like being physical and and it can lead to things for me and i want to see where this goes and you know i think that's kind of where it all started yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think you had additional motivation too that a lot of us don't have to get stronger. I mean, it just helps you function and get around better, right? Yeah. Um, I wasn't really thinking about that when I was a kid, though. Um, yeah. I just kind of, I, I was always able to move easy. And then thank mm -hmm. God I fell in love with fitness at a young age and I maintained that because now, I mean, I, I know millions of, um, other people in wheelchairs today that they're not so mobile like they've let their body fat get a little out of control and they're not able to move as much because I've, I've kept my body weight down because of wrestling and bodybuilding and all these things I've done I can move my body weight easily which helps me be a thousand times more you know uh, whatever the right word is you know I can move around a lot easier functional. <laughs> functional functional yeah yeah I'm a lot more functional just by keeping my body weight under control and making sure that my body weight is easy for my arms. All right. So this has been great. Why don't we uh, talk about some of the lifting? Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's, um, so I was going to switch that to you, uh, Marty, because Tyler's been in the Paralympics. He, he actually competed in the power, uh, Paralympics powerlifting world team. He was there in powerlifting. So Take it away, Marty. I'm sure you've got some interesting. Oh, no, no, no. Let, let's let him take it away and let's let him tell us some of the some of the feats. Then I'll respond to that. Yeah. What have um, you done? So that what when I had my powerlifting stint, that was about five years. And uh, I I just I heard actually from a wrestler friend who's also disabled, and he went on to like get a lot of headlines and he, he did a bit better than me. So I heard about his story. And then I heard through him that he went on to powerlifting after wrestling. And it was Paralympic excuse, powerlifting. Excuse me, Tyler. Yeah. Skip ahead and tell, tell us what some of your lifts. Oh, like my records? Yeah. Uh, let's see. My, my best lift on bench what's, press in the gym. What's your, body, what's your body weight and what were your lifts? 150-pound uh, body weight and 395 bench. Damn. Was that shirtless? Yeah. That was raw. Yeah. Yeah, that's Good. Super, super. Was that, in was that in competition? No, that was just in the gym. Okay. What's your best competition? Yeah. What's your in best competition? In competition was a couple years earlier when I was actually competing. And I always had like competition anxiety and like I rarely performed well when I got out there. But Spit I it think out, it, son, was what was it was three. 330, 340, somewhere in that range, I think. There you go. Same body weight, right? Same body weight, yeah. So typically, well, did you were able to do any seated pressing? Any overhead pressing, seated? 
I do that now. Yeah, I love overhead pressing now. I'll do a seated mm-hmm. barbell overhead press. Um, what kind, of weights, what kind of weights do you handle in that? For that, on my best day, I got four sets of 10 with uh, 225. Damn. That helps your yeah. bench, doesn't it? That's good for your bench. What was that? That's a good, a good uh, adjunct exercise for your bench press. If you can do that kind of weight, I can yeah. see what bench press so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what kind of training split would you use? I'm, I'm pretty much doing a, a bro split split now. I'm doing arm day, chest day, back day, and I'll mix them a little bit. I'll do chest and tricep, chest and, and bicep. But for the most part, I just kind of do the bro split. When you were powerlifting, was that sort of the same thing? Same kind of split? Um, I did a lot of different programs when I was doing powerlifting because um, I was going off of what the, the U.S. coach was telling me to do, and he sent me a lot of different programs. Um, my best program I ever did with him where I got the most growth it was a program that he got from another team from another country. Um, and, uh, I was benching every day. I was benching probably five days a week or something like that, but obviously some days were higher load, higher intensity. Some days were lower load, lower intensity, right. but, um, that was quite a shock to my system. I was sore all the time, but my numbers exploded. That was my most growth in, uh, within a couple of months. Really from every day, huh? Marty, that's yeah. like the old Jim Williams program right? yeah, yeah. Great yeah who was your coach i was a uh, butch i don't remember how to say his last name but first name was butch and then the the head coach was mary hodge and she was more overseeing like making sure that we're all following the rules and we know what time we need to be there and whatever but butch was the main guy who was uh giving out giving up our programs and where was this uh, this was like online because uh, all of us Paralympic athletes, we were all over the country. So he was just uh, emailing me programs. He lives in uh, Oklahoma. Do you, did you compete officially? Yeah. Yeah, I, I competed for about five years. I was trying to make the Paralympic team. I didn't quite make it, but yeah. So what, what when you say competing, what, I mean, fill us in what does that mean what did you do bench press uh, oh yeah it was bench press yeah yeah it, okay. uh, paralympic powerlifting is all about bench press so um, and I mean, uh, you what uh, weight class were you? um 148 in the beginning okay. of my powerlifting and then i went down to 132 okay and at 148 what was your best official bench it was that 330 or wherever it was, somewhere around that range. Okay. All right. And that, that didn't make it in the 148 Paralympics? No, I had to get at least uh, like 370, 380 just to make the team. Wow. Yeah. And that <laughs> wouldn't even get a medal. That wouldn't even get a medal at the Paralympics. So, Tyler, those are all raw, right? They don't use gear in Paralympics, do they? No. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. Well, so, Marty, what um, do you think of the what do you think of the benching every day? This oh, totally goes just, against it, our. It, 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 it's it's just another arrow in the quiver. Yeah. It's just another strategy. That's all. You just rotate them like dirty shirts. <laughs> you, know? I, you know I, what I mean? Every 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 routine has a shelf life. Yeah. And when it's exhausted, the the 
the poor beginners stay with the routine way too long because when you first start, you can yeah. you can use any yeah. any stupid routine and you're going to get gains, and then you just mm -hmm. go well. I know I got gains from that routine because look at this. And but you know, five years later, they're still using the same thing and nothing's changed. You have to rotate these things on a periodic and regular basis. You have to recognize when the shelf life is exhausted, and a pro recognizes stagnation ahead of time, right, Jim? That's right. And that's when you switch it up and you go back to something else. And you can always go back to your original, but you know, your body's such an adaptive organism, right? It just starts to adapt and says, okay, now throw something else at me because I'm done adapting to this. Um, yeah, I've done uh, squatted every day for a while and, yep. you know, for six weeks. And then you take yeah. a week off and you come back and squat once a week for six weeks. And all of a sudden, bam, your body's like super compensated. So that's right. Yeah. So Tyler, when you did the 396 in the gym, what kind of program were you doing then? uh i don't that was um after i was already done powerlifting. i was more right. training for bodybuilding at the time so i don't specifically remember i was probably doing a bro split and like having a chest day and an arm day and a shoulder day so the the added assistance versus the bench and every day probably bumped that up you know yeah and i think just just more years under the bar because that, that was a couple sure. of years later after my powerlifting days so just was there more a time weight? To build up. what was, was there that? a weight was there a weight difference or was, did you add body weight? No, that was, well, when I was powerlifting, I was in the one thirties when I got that three thirty or whatever, when I got the three ninety five, I weighed like one fifty. Yeah. Yeah. 20 pound increase. That's a big deal. Well, and that yeah. wasn't too long ago, was it? Uh, that was probably three to four years ago. Yeah. I remember seeing that video and, you know, I've seen some of your other, bench they're not pr they're uh you know like you're repping 315 or whatever and uh your form is perfect spot on full range of motion beautiful form so it's it's not any of these uh these half reps or anything that's that's become an epidemic in all the different gyms nowadays um so yeah you've got great form um on the paralympics how did you get involved in all that i mean you had to just submit your your name and all that or did somebody contact them for you how does that whole thing work uh as i looked into it more and more uh, i found out uh when their national championship was or something like that so i went mm -hmm. to the big u.s competition and then the u.s coach was there and after she she saw me lift once she said hey you know you got some potential we should talk about this so then she she and Butch kind of took me under their wing and said, OK, we're going to try to turn you into a, a world team member and a Paralympian and all that. I'm surprised you didn't go further with that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was I would just right under making the Paralympic team, just like, you know, not yeah. not too far under it. But by that point, I, I kind of got sick of it. I, I wasn't as much in love with it. I was more in love with jujitsu and um later on fell in love with bodybuilding so yeah well so so tell us about jujitsu i mean was that just a natural progression from the wrestling and you wanted to take your wrestling further how did you get involved in that yeah that was uh my little brother was doing taekwondo at this place down the street from our house so i went in there in high school on, in my off season and i asked the guy running the place 
hey, is there uh, some kind of martial art here that would complement my wrestling while I'm in the offseason? He said jujitsu and a couple other things. But as soon as I tried jujitsu, I loved it because it's it's wrestling, but you get to do the illegal stuff, you know. So uh, then I fell in love with jujitsu. And then, like I said, I went on to do powerlifting later. But after five years of powerlifting, I was more in love with uh, jujitsu at the time. I wasn't I, I liked powerlifting, but wasn't in love with it. So eventually just committed more to jujitsu at that time in my life. Yeah. Marty, did you ever do jujitsu? Uh, unofficially, yes, indeed. Yeah, I got into it at one point too. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, who was the uh, what was the academy, Tyler? Was it yeah, well known place? When I first started, I was under uh, Gustavo Enriquez, and then uh, later I went on to get my black belt from Cassio Wernick. Um, the black belt thing is a really big deal. Marty and I know a couple of black belts and you know their training you know it's not not a joke man so um a lot of a lot of uh hard work went into that and i'm assuming that your lifting background really helped in jujitsu also i mean i know i know that you know the royce gracie and all that stuff but obviously the guys with the best technique if you have equal technique but you're stronger right it's going to help you correct yeah that's what I tell all my clients too. Yeah. Is that uh, when you and the other guy have equal skill, then I'm stronger and I have more endurance Then that's, what's going to separate us, you know? Yeah. How long did it take you to get that black belt? Uh, it was a little over 10 years. I think it was like 11 or 12 years. Yeah. And what was that feeling like when they, when they presented that to you? It's a weird feeling. It's, a, you know, because like you're, you're chasing that, you know, that rainbow for so long and you finally, you know, that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and you finally get it. So it's uh, a little surreal yeah. and it's weird that as you're driving home that day, like, well, that was my last promotion, you know, like you finally got to that end thing or the, you know, that mountaintop. Yeah. So uh, it's a, it's a great feeling, but it's uh, surreal, I guess would be the best word. Yeah. Marty, what's that? What do they call You know, it's the journey, right? Marty, not, the, not the, not the final destination. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And again, um, now, did you get, I guess you got uh, shut down with the pandemic in the jujitsu? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, we had friends that had a mat at their house or right. we found ways to still do jujitsu a little bit, but it was pretty, right. pretty, uh, you know, small amount. I would imagine. Uh, I, uh, is that your main cardio? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much been my main cardio. Man, that's yeah. some great cardio. Jeez. That's the best. That's the best yeah. way to get it. That's the best yeah. way to get cardio. Well, that's that, what I was or, saying. Any, yeah. Well, any kind of, any, you know, I used to, I used to get a fabulous cardio workout playing racquetball, play three games of racquetball with a good opponent. Man, I was drenched in sweat. Yeah. Right. Well, the, the best kind of cardio is when you're don't know you're doing cardio. <laughs> that's right. Well, and you're, and you're sweating buckets. If you're yeah. not sweating, you're not doing it. Sorry. Yeah. I always, I always liked jujitsu. I just love jujitsu. But when I was, when I was doing it and I mean, you know, I was, you know, big weightlifter guy, about 300 pounds at the time. And I'm, it was some intense cardio for me, but it was um, like Jim says, you don't know you're getting the cardio, but what I liked about it was you're learning something, you're learning a skill and getting cardio at the same time. So it was just perfect. 
I would imagine at 290 pounds, you probably gassed out in about 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, because my instructor, you know, he was like 160 and, you know, yeah. he'd just wrap you up in two seconds and you're done. Yeah. Well, right. you know, when you're, and I used to tell the football players this all the time, no matter how skilled you are, when you're tired, you can't display your skills. You, you know, cardio is first, first, first. When it comes to that stuff. And it's a different type of stress. You can, I ran um, steady state sort of cross country for years, but boy, did I ever get a shock when I went back to burst and it was like, yeah, that steady state stuff has no relevancy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you're doing jujitsu or racquetball or sprinting or anything that is a, injecting a, an element of muscular exertion into an aerobic format which is what well that's what jujitsu is that's what wrestling is that's yeah. what racquetball that is all that that's what sprinting is it's just this idea of uh burst recover burst again yeah right and well, that's right and, and i was listening to uh ricks and gracie on uh podcast the other day and tyler i'm sure you had to work on this but he was saying he had to get used to the claustrophobic feeling and not uh, like of a headlock or a choke and not panic. And he said, oh. that's when he started. And Marty and I talking JP, we talk about it on the podcast all the time about breathing and the importance of breath and all that. But he said, that's when he really started developing his interest in the proper way to breathe, the proper way to relax and then be able to focus on, okay, this guy's doing this. I need to do this, but if I, you know, if I just get this leg over here instead of going, oh my God, I'm, I'm getting choked out. Um, and there was a fight on the UFC, it was a few weeks ago, actually about a month ago. And the guy was in a, in a headlock and everybody thought he was done. And I listened to an interview with him and he said, yeah, you know, I just decided not to panic and go back to my training and my breathing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. How important is that relaxation, that breathing uh, in jujitsu and how has that helped you or? That's just a mental skill that you pick up over the years. And that's, that's one of the hard ones is you're, you're in a tight situation, but you don't want to just tap. And then you didn't even try to get out of it, right. but freak out. Well, then you're going to like hyperventilate and you're not going to be able to breathe anyway. So, you know, you have to, to just, it's okay. Calm down, breathe. Now start working yeah. your, oh, and, it's and, also, and also get choked out a few times. What was that? And also get choked out a few times. Yeah, and learn from it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't die, you know. Yeah. And it just it just happens and you just that, you know, you just get up from it and shake it off and yeah. keep going. What a what a great point. It it's like first time you get punched in the face. Oh, yeah. That's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. You know, it depends and it on who feels, punches you. Feels sort yeah. of good. Fires up, and gets you going, man. You know, and the, and the first time, oh, I just got tapped. You know, but oh man, and then the the guy who's better than you, just like in Muay Thai, I don't have any jujitsu experience. Says, hey, you know, you you dropped your your left hand, or you know, this is going to help you next time. And then you just keep going, and you just keep learning. You know, it's uh, the martial arts are essential for anybody, and you know, the, who who wants to be successful in athletics. Or in life, in my opinion, you know, it just teaches you so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Teaches you to control your ego and yeah. take every every loss like a lesson, not a loss, right? All those kinds of things. And it, yeah, that's right. And it always perfect compliment, also, perfect compliment for strength training. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, they both feed each other. It's really great. Yeah. yeah. You got to do cardio. Do it that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do it a fun way. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, fight drills. I mean, it, you know, jump rope, hit the bag, uh, get on the burst of cl you know, climber. You know what I mean? I do fighter drills rather than sit there and and and, and what ride the recumbent bike and text. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and Tyler, as you as you improve your skills in jujitsu and as you go up in in belts and finally achieve your black belt and all that, how much more efficient now are you than when you first started? Because I can tell you this. When I started, and everybody's probably the same way, you don't have that technique built in yet, so you overcompensate with strength, and therefore you get gassed out a lot quicker. So having the skill set now and the belt that you have now, how much more efficient are you uh, with with just rolling now and competing and all that to where you're not you're not burning up so much energy and you're not gassing out so much because of you know your your uh, your deeply ingrained skills that you've built over the past 10 12 years whatever it is yeah i mean ways that i've seen it that i've like really experienced it and it like made an impact on me i remember doing those gracie tournaments where, where i met you um mm -hmm. remember uh, i think i was a blue belt and i had like a 10 or 15 minute match i don't yes. remember if i won or lost but it was my first 10 or 15 minute match and I was sore for a week. There was stuff hurting. I didn't even know what muscle that was. Like I was wrecked for a long time after that 15 minute match, but that's as a blue belt, you know, I'm only maybe three years in or something like that. Now, fast forward all the way to now. Um, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, something like that. I was in class and we do something called shark tanking where me and maybe four other guys get out on the mat. The other 20, 30 people in class line up on the wall and they attack you one person at a time. And uh, if uh, wh whoever gets the submission, the loser gets back in line, the winner stays in. And so I, I kept getting the submission. And before I knew it, I mean, I kept looking at the clock to see where I was at, but kind of before I knew it, I stayed in for an hour and 15 straight. I stayed in for the entire class. And yeah. so like I, after I got through that class, my I could feel my nervous system was traumatized and <laughs> I needed to rest for a couple of days, but it showed me a lot mentally of like, wow, I've come that far that I just rolled for an hour and 15 straight with a new opponent every few minutes. And I got the tap every time and I had the energy and the technique to do it. I, I didn't have the strength anymore. Once I'm an hour in, you know, I was gassed, but I mm -hmm. had the strategy and the technique to hit the submission without using strength. I could trick my opponent into where I want him to go and get the submission. So that's where I really, prove something to myself that day you know so that's how i've actually seen it and that was my point and the thing that people don't realize or maybe they do i don't know but when you when you're out there on the mat you're on your knees the entire time yeah so that's and you know there's a lot of different videos of you on youtube if anybody wants to type in tyler bray uh jujitsu but uh i what have you ever talked to any of these competitors and you know, I, I don't know if uh, these guys underestimate you when, uh, you know, it might, be it might be natural to underestimate you. You know, here's a guy that's going to be on his knees the whole time. He's got spina bifida. You know, I, I probably have the upper hand. What happens in that situation? I mean, have, have guys ever commented on that or, or is everybody pretty, pretty humble about the whole thing? Yeah. I mean, a lot of my jujitsu game is counter-striking pretty much. It's a lot of you're coming in to attack me because it seems like I'm in, I'm in a vulnerable position. As mm -hmm. you're coming in to attack me, you've come close enough. I can attack you. 
So as you reach your arms around my neck, trying to get that choke, I turn it into an arm bar. So it's a lot of like um, counter striking yeah. and, and it's from very unusual positions. Uh, a black belt fight that I just won a couple months ago, I was in a bad position in everyone's eyes. Like traditionally, this is a bad position for me. And I got an arm bar from that bad position and everybody was confused. And, um, but so I've had a lot of opponents after the match, they'd come up to me and they're like, I don't understand what you did to me. I was winning. I was in good position. And then suddenly I was tapping. What, what yeah. happened? You know, yeah. I don't understand what lesson to even take from this. Cause I don't know what I did wrong. And I'll tell them like, well, you didn't do anything wrong. You had dominant position on me, but it's like, you did one thing right. And I did two things, right. Yeah. You know, you did, you did something correct, but then I countered what you did correct. And then you didn't counter my counter. <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, you're like a curveball coming into the mat. I mean, these guys are like, holy crap, what do I do now? You know, because they haven't they haven't trained with anybody like that. So, yeah. well, that's interesting. So that maybe so maybe you have the advantage in some of these things. In certain point. ways, yeah, because I've, yeah. I've taken a lot of uh, traditionally bad positions and figured out how to turn them into offensive positions. So yeah. I, I give my opponents a lot of false sense of security. <laughs> Yeah. When you're when you were in your heaviest jujitsu period, what was your weight training like? Like, did you cut it back some? Yeah, um, I was probably when I was going to jujitsu the most and rolling hard every class. Because I mean, right now I'm teaching jujitsu, so I'm at I'm at jujitsu every day right now. But I'm not always rolling hard. Right. Um, so during my periods where I was going all the time and rolling hard every time I went, I was probably lifting like three days a week, full body. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. And keeping the reps relatively low and staying strong or was it different? Probably. Yeah. It was so many years ago, but yeah, it, it, I was probably still keeping the reps pretty much low just to keep strength. Yeah. Right. Now, now do you think most of the guys that you roll with or compete against are lifting weights. They're doing some kind of resistance training in the gym too, because I don't think a, a lot of martial artists uh, used to do that. It was, you know, maybe body weight training, a lot of cardio, stuff like that. What do you see out there? I mean, I'd say that's an old school jujitsu uh, philosophy is uh, you don't need any of that strength training and blah, blah, blah. But now new school realizes, okay, if you don't want strength and conditioning for the strength and the endurance component, at least do it for the corrective side, at mm, least boy. do it so that you don't get your tight hip flexors and your tight hamstrings and at least do some corrective training. So your body stays, you know, balanced, you know, and, and pretty much almost all of the top jujitsu guys in the world at the black belt level, almost every single one of them lifts. Yeah. So there, I feel like there's more of a, a new school of thought and it's kind of, destroying that old school of thought to an extent marty don't you think that that was sort of the martial arts um credo that you don't need to lift and then coleman came along and sort of turned it upside down mark mark helped you know you've always had the the bruiser type guys i mean in the early ufc go back to your tank abbott yeah. you know he'd scare the hell out of anybody right have that yeah. rhino coming at you yeah <laughs> i mean it's interesting uh, i watch i watch all the ufc full access and all that stuff and uh man to fit all that stuff into a day you got to be so great at all that stuff but the jujitsu the most i would think right tyler because of all the different techniques and and the funny thing is people are still developing <laughs> techniques mm -hmm. you know? 
like Eddie Bravo a few years ago, got a whole new technique, you know, and then you got another guy who works on that and makes another technique and everybody has to learn that. I mean, it's got to be tough to always stay up on all the, all the latest techniques, right? Yeah. And I, I'd say like with MMA, you have to have at least two solid things. So like if jujitsu is not your thing, then we could go back to Chuck Liddell who had an amazing run during his prime his thing was takedown defense. So it was really hard to get him to the ground. And then he's banking on, I'm a better striker than you. So he had wrestling defense and he had striking. But if you don't have a combination like that, then you better have jujitsu in your repertoire. Here's an interesting thing about Chuck. Number one, he was a brainiac who actually had a, a scholarship to Caltech <laughs> for smartness. Wow. Uh, <laughs> secondly, him and... Uh, What's his trainer, John Hackleman, right? Yeah. They changed the whole game by inventing the sprawl. Mm -hmm. Up until then, it was assumed, it was settled science that uh, if you were against a grappler, you were going to get taken down. And Liddell and Hackleman came along and said, mm, that's not true. Yep. And they start they started going entire matches for match after match after match and not get taken down. They couldn't believe it. And it was this the perfection of the sprawl it changed everything it, it neutralized it neutralized the the uh jujitsu guys and i tell you it got so bad i don't know if you saw any of the late pride fights we had the 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 judo gold medalists reduced to slap fighting because they could not enter they could not pierce the defensive perimeter of, of a of a vandalay silva who's just picking them apart from arm's length. But in judo, because the, the tie-up is legislated, they don't have any shoot skills. Right. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. Judo, all right, you know, hey, get together, guys. Let's wrestle. That, well, you know, that doesn't develop the shoot skill that you need, like a wrestler, to pierce that perimeter. And, yeah, Liddell and Hackleman, man, they were, they were, they were revolutionary. Yeah, and he was the man for, for a long time, and he had that style where he didn't need jujitsu. I wonder if he trained well, I, it at all. I don't even remember seeing any films or videos. I'm he sure was he, a, he he was an elite wrestler in college. He right. was a, a, a high ranking, nationally ranked guy as a collegiate wrestler. So yeah, and he, he would would he would get to the mat. He would simply stand up. Do you remember that? It was I think it was with Couture, and Couture had him down. Of course, Couture was just an amazing wrestler and was decent jujitsu and chuck just started standing up he would <laughs> everybody was amazed to get his feet underneath him and stand up i had never seen that before yeah yeah i'm sorry i interrupted you tyler oh, no no I, that, that's all i was gonna say yeah is that he uh he had that style where he didn't really need jujitsu so um if you don't have a style like that though then you better have jujitsu so it just you got to have a game plan as you're starting your mma career what are all. martial arts I'm really going to specialize in? Yeah. Yeah. But Tyler, what? Go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's almost not fair. Those guys that have been wrestling since they're four years old, you know, and they get in there and they can take people down at, at will, you know, and then I mean, you can see the guys who have been boxing and, and doing, you know, you can always tell Tyler, right. What they've done for the longest you know, because yeah. it's the most comfortable skill. Like, mm -hmm. you know, in the old days, guys would wave guys up off the ground. Come on, I, I want to stay on my feet, you know, mm -hmm. instead of going to the ground. 
Yeah. And that's where, I mean, now we're, we're at an age where all the MMA fighters, they're cross training and they're doing everything. Yeah. But you know, 30 years ago, uh, you did one thing and that's kind of all you did. Right. Yeah. So now, now we're getting smarter and we know we got to learn multiple things. And that's the norm now is you got to train MMA. You got to train a little bit of everything and master maybe two of them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, are you going to, so what, what's on the horizon for BJJ? I mean, you've got your black belt now. What, now, what do you want to do with it? Uh, not much of an option for me really. Cause, um, there's like a lot of context here, but there's one set of tournaments. It's called IBJJF. They're one of the dominant organizations in jujitsu, but I don't like their rule set. They have a weird point system that doesn't really work with me and my disability and even if i wasn't disabled i just don't love their point system uh but then there's another there's another type of um competition where it's almost like um exhibition fights where me and another black belt agree to fight each other so that's what i just did a couple months ago i, I was just referring to that match uh this guy agreed to fight me so we did it so like, that was fun but um when it comes to those kind of fights where two people have to agree to fight each other and we meet at this event and fight um, I mean, it's an agreement and it's incredibly hard to get people to agree to fight me. So, um, and it's not out of, I'm, it's not really out of fear. It's really more out of ego that they're not getting anything out of it. These other black belts, um, it's like you, you lost a lot of your ego to get the black belt because you had to get tapped a million times, but mm -hmm. in other ways, a lot of black belts, egos, egos grow to an unhealthy level. <laughs> and, um, so basically a, a lot of black belts, they'll look at it like, well, I don't want to fight Tyler because if I lose, I lost to a handicapped guy. If I win, I'd be a handicapped guy. I'm not getting anything out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. So, <laughs> so that's where like the, the guy that I just fought a couple months ago, he's a really rare personality that he doesn't have any ego. He was a really, really cool guy. I hung out with him a little bit afterwards and really nice guy but he's rare that he doesn't have that kind of ego and he, and he just agreed to fight me just to get some mat time. So how'd you do? I, I won that match. That's where I was in a uh, kind of a not so great position. Like uh, the crowd thought I was losing, but I was baiting something. And the more he came in to attack me, the more he gave me the, uh, the arm attack I was baiting. So I, I ended up getting him in a, uh, a weird arm bar. Okay. So that's the one you were referring to. Yeah. Okay. And then did you, and you're an IFBB pro and bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah. So how did this all come about this bodybuilding? So that, um, as I, if, I, as if all the other stuff wasn't enough. Now he says, well, now I got to do some bodybuilding. Yep. So now when it comes to <laughs> my competition life, that's what I'm in love with right now is bodybuilding. Um, I, I still, I'm doing jujitsu every day. I love that, but I'm, I'm teaching it now. I'm not competing in it much anymore. But uh, so anyways, bodybuilding, I learned about wheelchair bodybuilding that the division even exists probably in 2013 or so because I saw something on social media. But uh, so I said right there in my head, OK, I got to do that someday just as a bucket list and do one show just because I'm already so much into this muscle stuff. But um, so in 2015, the promoter of the, the wheelchair division, he contacted me on social media and we've never met or anything. He just shot me a message and said, Hey, I've seen your pictures. You should compete. Here's the information. Be at this, this competition. If you win this competition, you'll win your pro card. So I wow. thought, okay, cool. Like I'm getting an invite to go do this. And it was kind of already in my head anyway. Might as well do it. Where, where, where was it held at? This was in Florida. Okay. In a 
California, but, um, and, and the promoter of, of this show, he was flying out all the wheelchair guys for free just to uh, promote the division. Great. Yeah. So I was getting a free trip out of it. And that was 2015. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, so then I started training for my first show. And then luckily uh, my old high school friend is Jeremy Bundia. He's won the Olympia four times in uh, men's physique and he's an old high school friend. So um, I called him up and, hey, you want to get me ready for my first show? And, you know, you know a lot about it. You've won the Olympia four times. Um, so he helped me get ready for that show. Um, All right. Time, I, time out. Time out. Time yeah. out. So what so would you learn? What was uh, I mean, you're, you're going into this thing brand new. What was the biggest change? You're, you're already athletic. You've lifted weights. You're in shape. Was it the nutrition? Uh, it was mainly the nutrition. Uh, he, he taught me some cool. How, how radical uh, was that? What kind of what kind of eat, eater were you before this? I would imagine you're a pretty good eater before, weren't you? I was good, but not on like a detailed level of exactly this much of this and exactly this much of that, and take this out during this time. And you know, I I didn't know like the deep deep science at that time. I kind of just knew eat a lot of protein, lift hard, eat fruits and veggies. You know, okay. <laughs> I didn't really well, know. What, on were the, what, what, what were the the subtleties and the changes that he hit you with um uh, at that time really just how how much how much protein per day did he have did he get you on let's start with that how many grams per day did he it was around my body weight and then so um, one one to one so 150 for 150 yeah okay yeah nothing nothing crazy no no 400 grams or nothing like that no, no, it was it was okay. around body weight, give or take. How about then, carbs? Uh, what was that? Carbs. Yeah, and then carbs. I mean, I don't remember the numbers, but I was having them throughout the day, and then he just slowly had me bring them down over time until we went into a uh, carb cycling approach. Multiple meal schedule. Yeah. And yeah. Any supple- Any supplements or not? Um, not a lot. I mean, really, just you know, protein shake. Re- regular those. food. Regular food mainly. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a whole lot of supplements, just a, like there was like a carb drink. There was some aminos. There was a protein shake. Uh, not not a whole lot of supplements, though. What's your protein of choice? Um, I just I just do a whey protein isolate. No, no, no. I mean, regular food protein. What's your. Oh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm doing a chicken or steak pretty much all the time. Cool. What kind of steak? uh i'll bounce around but usually just like a maybe a new york most of the time okay Martin, but, you want to ask him how you cook a little it? bit of fat in there no problem right yeah <laughs> how do you cook it tyler how do you cook it you do the cooking or you, you, yeah your mom does it or yeah yeah i just cook it and eat it I'm, I'm pretty simple that's where like whenever a client asks me well how do you do this i'm like i just cook it and eat it i'm kind of boring <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Marty's got a whole thing on cooking. What's your theory, Marty? Every everybody should know how to cook basic things like a like a chicken, a steak, and you should know the you know the the temperatures, all that stuff, right? That's just basic human uh, human skills, right? Talk like someone who doesn't have those skills. <laughs> <laughs> I cook. I got that smoker out back. I got the same smoker right, as you. Good. Good. I mean, you can't depend on your wife, your girlfriend, your mom. You know, no. you know what I mean? You know, you gotta come on, man. It's not hard. Yeah. So Tyler, training wise for bodybuilding, that's your that's your body part of day split that you do. Yeah. 
Okay. How many sets per body part? Um, I've, I've been playing with that a lot and seeing what my body responds to and how it feels in the moment. And uh, on my back day, I'll bit, do a bit more higher volume. I'll do like, maybe 15 to 20 sets just because I feel like I have a harder time really connecting with it. So I do a bit more volume on my back. On my shoulders, my shoulders really respond well to like high intensity, not so many sets. So, I mean, I'm in and out of the gym and maybe 40 minutes on my shoulders, but they just respond to, I'll do three or four sets of side raises, do a drop set and boom, shoulders are done there. And then I'll do something for the front of the shoulder and it's pretty quick for shoulders. And then same for chest and uh, arms kind of medium volume, I guess, maybe uh, around 10 sets for bicep and tricep. Right. Okay. So you go, you, you win your pro card, and then what's your first competition after that? Well, so that story I was telling before, that was 2015. I took second that year, so I didn't win my pro card, but I did I was second place, so I was really close. Yeah. So then, um, then I kind of got it out of my system with bodybuilding. That that next year, I thought about doing the show again. I didn't, but because um, I'm like, eh, I'm, I don't have as much of the fire right now. So then three years went by where I was just lifting just for fun. And I was trying to get bigger, but I wasn't directly training for bodybuilding. And then in 2018, I kind of got bit by the bug again. I kind of started wanting to compete again. And one of my clients wanted to compete. So I said, okay, I'll train her for the same show I'm going to do. And then 2018, I won my pro card. Um, then <laughs> things worked out really funny. <clears throat> um, at that time, at the pro level for the wheelchair division, uh, we were only in the Arnold Classic and shows uh, not quite as big as that. We weren't in the Olympia at the time. Um, and then that year, 2018, the Olympia finally accepted us as a division. And they said, OK, we'll let you do like a, a trial year and see how it goes. So um, right after I won my pro card, the promoter of the wheelchair division said, hey, do the Olympia with us. I'm like, holy crap, my first pro show is going to be the Olympia. So <laughs> then I got thrown into that. And how'd you do? I got dead last. <laughs> I got my butt kicked, but... I was just so overwhelmed that I'm at the freaking Olympia right now. So <laughs> now, now you've competed in the Olympia four times now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this was my first year back in 2018. I got like ninth or something like that, whatever, dead last. Mm -hmm. And then since then? And then since then, now uh, the last two years I've done a lot better. Last year I got fourth. <clears throat> this year I got fifth, but it's because one of the better guys who wasn't there last year was there this year. So I basically got the same placing in the overall lineup for the last two years, which is about fifth. Yeah. You can see each all. year though, the competition is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And you as well, I've been tracking your progress obviously for years. And I mean, especially this year, you put on so much size this year and I think you were leaner too, but I mean, the difference between this year and last year, you can just really see it. And it's interesting to see how you've progressed uh, over the past four or five years, size wise, shape, uh, you know, leanness. Um, so how, how do you think you, how do you think your training went for this past one? I mean, did you have everything dialed in? Did it go as, as, as you wanted it to go? Yeah. I mean, every year I'm learning more and more because I'm just, I'm so deep into it now. I'm always curious. So I'm always listening to a podcast. I listen to a lot of uh, Stan Efferding, you know, and he's always talking about micronutrients and all these different things. And so every prep, there's something I'm adding that's just a, making it a little bit better, like uh, like a game changer <clears throat> from like uh, two years ago. I never learned how important salt was. 
So I was doing like hardly any salt in my diet. As soon as I added oh. some salt, it was a game changer to my, uh, my mental clarity, my energy, everything. So, um, every, every prep, I learn a little something to add to it to make my body respond a little better. Jim, did you find that with salt? Now you're always talking about MCT oil. Um, well, I fortunately had rich sulky advising me since I was in junior high school. So, yeah. uh, you know, salt is muscular contraction. Sodium is muscular contraction. You can't mm -hmm. contract without proper amounts. So, uh, rich has always been free, you know, freely salt your food. Um, and then, you know, recently, right, Tyler, you mentioned Stan efforting with his diet, the vertical diet, and he, he emphasizes the importance of salt and, uh, sort of brought it back to the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always listening to a lot of him and I get, you know, some kind of new nugget of wisdom, almost every video I see on him. Yeah. He's a smart guy. You ever try uh, MCT oil? A little bit, but I'm not, not super regularly, but here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim, because Jim's a uh, competitive bodybuilder too. Um, yeah. When, when he feels like it. Um, but talk, Jim, talk about the MCT oil. Well, I, I, Tyler probably is smart with his diet with the year round and, and all that. I'm the, okay, I got 40 pounds, 40, you know, 40 pounds to lose in seven and a half weeks. So what I use that MCT oil was for energy when my carbs are at zero, you know? Um, right. And also, you know, Marty and I, and actually Stacy put up a big post about this, I believe about MCT oil. Um, the cognitive ability of my ability to think, you know, cause when you get deep down into a, a devilish diet, you, uh, your ability to think is just not there. You're, 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 you literally are like mumbling your words and, and not saying the correct sentences and stuff. And I found like when I really loaded up on the MCT oil, uh, I was able to actually function as a human more write and read. And I know it sounds crazy, but you know, when you, you and, and I'm sure you've been there when you, when you don't have much, you only have enough to get through your workout and to do your cardio or whatever. And that's it, you know, and yeah. the time it's just sort of like a zombie. I thought the MCT oil really helped me sort of get out of that zombie state most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are the things that I add one new thing every time I prep and my diet's 1% better. And that's the stuff I notice is like, I have a little bit more energy this prep. I have a little more mental clarity, a little more something. Yeah. What, uh, Tyler, are you still there? Yeah. Um, all right. I thought you got cut off. What, what about dieting down now? I mean, are you guys able to do, uh, well, we talked about you going, going on the treadmill. I mean, you are able to do some of that stuff. I mean, you guys as a group, I mean, how are you doing cardio? What are you guys getting your body fat down to? I mean, what's explain all that everybody kind of does their own different thing with me. Most of my cardio is jujitsu. And then if mm -hmm. I feel I need a little extra, then that's where I'll, I'll do the treadmill towards the end a little bit, just mm -hmm. out of giving my arms a break. And, uh, with me, with my, um, seeing how my body's doing, I really just go off the mirror here and there. I'll check my body fat a little bit, but I'm not super concerned about it. I'm mostly just going off my progress pictures in the mirror. So you don't know what you're actually getting down to on your body fat. Not exactly. Okay. But. Well, it's, it's all about how you look, but uh, what, are, what are you hearing from the other guys? I mean, how are they getting, uh, getting ripped? You know, what's, what's, what's their. Uh, uh, I see a handful of the guys doing like a hand bike. I've seen a, a handful of them. That's kind of a go-to just do the hand bike. 
like an upper body ergometer, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. And then cutting the calories and doing all that stuff. Um, what, um, let's see. So, all right. So you've done the Olympia now four times. I mean, which you want to keep going with this? I mean, what's your, oh, yeah. your long-term goals with this? What are you getting out of it? Um, yeah, man, as long as I can. I, mean, I, I, I love it. Um, our top guy, Harold, who beats all of us, he's won the last four Olympias. He's uh, 50 or 51. Wow, so, yeah. I mean, as, as long as my body holds up well, then why not do it till 50 or 51? So I'm just going to keep going with this as long as, as long as I can. And it's slowly interesting opening door or it's slowly I'm um, opening some doors. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to do one uh, documentary at the 2020 Olympia. That's going to be released on Netflix sometime soon. And then we're going to get a, a second documentary next year. So it's leading to some kind of fun, cool opportunities. Have you gotten pretty close with all these guys? Is it like a brotherhood now because of what you guys, I mean, most of you guys were there at the very first show, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's only one or two new guys that join us every year. Mm-hmm. So uh, that core group of guys is kind of always there and it does turn into a family and half of it is, I mean, we are battling each other on stage, but at the same time we're, we're building this division. And so there's a, a family thing to it too, because we want the division to grow. Yeah. I would imagine this is pretty inspirational. You guys are inspirational uh, to these, well, to other people that uh, have certain disabilities, especially kids with disabilities. I mean, yeah. you ever get any feedback from those from those folks? Yeah, I mean, I think all of us, all of us wheelchair competitors, we always we'll get messages here and there from random people on social media, and hey, I, I saw this on you, and it really inspired me. Blah blah blah. Uh, one of the ones that like kind of touched me the most was actually through jujitsu. Um, this was a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, maybe I was at a class one day, just did a regular class. And then afterwards, um, it was a big class. And this uh, guy walks up to me who I never met before. And he said, Hey, you know, my name is such and such. And I just wanted to tell you, um, I saw this uh, jujitsu magazine that you were in a couple of years ago. And it said like, no excuses or something like that. And I was there with my belt on and blah, blah, blah. And I was going through testicular cancer at that time. And it gave me the inspiration to fight through. So that yeah. really like, hit me that this guy overcame cancer. And I'm like, yeah. all right, my, my life's not hard. <laughs> you know? Well, I think we all need positive role models. And there's probably a lot of people out there that, uh, that, that have been inspired by you guys that, you know, you, you might have not had any feedback on that. You'll never get feedback on, but there's plenty of people out there seeing this and you guys are providing a, um, you know, a good example of what's really possible. And um, I think a lot of it's, you know, it's, it's, it's physical fitness, it's uh, maintaining a a, a strong body, it's health, it's, you know, work ethic, it's a whole lot of things. But, uh, you know, for the people that, you know, I, I see your post all the time on, on social media, and it's like, okay, what was your excuse again? You know, you call that out a lot and rightfully so, because, I mean, look at all you're doing with what you've been given. Uh, and a lot of people are out there complaining that they can't get to the gym or whatever. And, you know, they've they've got no reason not to go. And and you've just got to lift yourself up and, and get some motivation in you, get some uh, fire under you and go do it. 
Yeah, that's like that's the main message of our division, you know, that we're, we're always trying to push and we're trying to think of new ways to push it. Um, because like something I think about all the time, uh, the other guys in this division, they have unbelievable stories. I feel kind of I don't know, humbled listening to their stories because, I mean, my story is I was born like this. So mm-hmm. I didn't go through any major trauma or anything. I was just born like this. Not, uh, everyone else in the wheelchair division, they had some major accident where their legs were taken from them. So that's a whole other type of trauma. And um, it's it's incredible to hear all the different crazy things that's happened to these guys. And they said, no, I'm still going to look like a superhero. I'm still going to train. I'm still going to go win the Olympia. I'm still going to go do what I want to do, despite this incredible trauma that I've been through. Yeah. uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're when life deals you a, a, a blow like that or puts you in a certain circumstance. I mean, it's, it's either, you know, get up and do something about it and try to excel and do the best to your abilities or sit there and wither away and die. Right. Yep. Was there, was there somebody who inspired you? Like maybe somebody else with uh, yeah, what mentors did you have? Uh, I've had a bunch over the years. I mean, in bodybuilding, I mean, I look up to the, these guys that are beating me really, you know, and uh, they're all really cool. They, they've been around forever and they've been really welcoming when you're like the new guy in the group. You're the new IFBB pro. Um, a handful of them are really cool about like, hey, tell me about your diet. Tell me about whatever. Let me give you some posing advice. So they're just really cool about it. And then they have incredible physiques that I'm backstage with them. And I'm like, holy crap, look at this guy next to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, so they're just constant inspiration. And then I have inspirations in, in every different thing I've done. I have inspirations in, in uh, jujitsu and all the wrestling and all these different things I've done. Yeah. And you get to meet a lot of them too. I mean, on the jujitsu side, on the bodybuilding side, you know, yeah. I've seen you pose with Arnold a few times at the Olympia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So it's, it's really cool to, yeah, just get all these opportunities. And that's where, um, yeah, I, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing because so far it's working out cool. Like the, the opportunities are kind of random and I don't really see them coming all the time, but I, I'm always excited for like, what's the next opportunity that uh, these things are going to open up. Yeah. Now you're also a personal trainer too, right? Yeah. So people are coming to you to do what? get stronger, add muscle, lose weight. I mean, what's the majority? Yeah, I mean, I, I get a pretty mixed bag, but um, I'd say the majority is fat loss. But I got jujitsu clients. I got uh, bodybuilding and bikini clients. I got kind of a mixed bag, but the most is probably just general fat loss. Yeah. And, and where do you operate out of? I'm in uh, Roseville, California. Uh, do you have a particular facility that you're work yeah yeah it's called uh iron addiction and it's just uh, a gym over here i'm, I'm an independent trainer at, at uh, the gym here in roseville iron addiction huh yeah and that was one of the, the things i asked you about um covid it's like because everybody closed down but you said well if you got the the right connections you know you had a place to train so i don't think you got interrupted at all with your your training a little bit what you said. Uh, a little bit, but not too bad. Yeah. Well, and then are you doing that full time personal training? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much my main job. And then uh, with my extra hours, I'm uh, teaching jujitsu. Yeah. So 
some of these some of these clients, these potential clients, let's say, I mean, do they ever approach you with some skepticism? And it's like, well, you know, you know, I want Tyler to train me, but you know, um, I don't know, maybe he's not the one for me. He's, you know, how's he going to do certain things or show me certain things? I mean, so I, I would imagine you're having to prove yourself or, or maybe not. I mean, maybe your accomplishments speak for themselves by now. Um, but how's that side of it? I mean, are you, I mean, I'd say if anybody who ever was doubting me, I didn't know it because they wouldn't call me, you know, and then yeah. and now I've been doing it for so many years. I got the uh, client transformation pictures and my own transformation pictures to prove that I do know how to do it. Yeah. So I feel like I've, I've stuck around long enough to prove myself now. And so I, I don't really see I see that issue very often. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I mean. Yeah, all you got to do is is uh, show them your resume or a few pictures, right? And it's pretty okay. much self-explanatory. If anything, I just I get the thing that probably all personal trainers get, where sometimes you get a client that they Google the bunch of stuff, and now they think that they're smarter than you, you know. And <laughs> I want to do this Instagram thing that I saw. No, that's stupid. You need to do what I'm telling you to do, and so they want to debate with you. But that'll happen with like any personal trainer, you know. Yeah. yeah. Jim, you've had that problem, right? Yeah, I just turn around and walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do my best to like bite my. No, I know it, it's better to do it your way for sure. <laughs> I do I'm my old, best. So I'm old, so I have no patience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do my best. They, they really, those type really push my patience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what advice would you give to other people with? disabilities and it, it can be anything but i mean from what you've learned growing up to now i mean what advice would you give those folks i'd say one of the biggest ones is what we were talking about earlier is if you want to keep your independence your your body weight has to be nothing to you you have to be able to do dips and pull-ups and all the body weight stuff so you can do a pull-up to get into your car you can do a dip to get onto your tall bed, wh whatever it is. If you let your body weight get out of control and your uh, your arms aren't strong enough, then you just lost your mobility. And I would say in, in those kind of situations, you didn't lose your mobility because of your disability. You lost it because you didn't control your diet. You didn't get strong enough. You didn't make your body weight easy for you. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, and that, that, uh, goes for other people as well that don't have disabilities. I mean, as we get older, you know, that doesn't mean you can't go out and train on deadlifts and squat and bench press and all that and stay physically active, active and mobile. And, and, you know, um, it, it's very important to keep your functionality and mobility in life, but people, some people just go, well, I'm too old for that. And they can't pick up their groceries and take them from the car to the 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 kitchen and have all kinds of different can't get out of a chair but so that applies to everybody but especially somebody with a disability i mean you're dealing with you know if you don't have the use of your legs or whatever well you've got to compensate you've got to have stronger arms you've got to be able to get yourself around and pull yourself up and do things like that so that is the absolute best thing you can do is stay strong stay in shape eat well live healthy and, you know, just be able to function as, as normal as possible. And then the other thing I would say, though, is, I mean, people with disabilities who went through like a major accident or something, I, 
you know, I'm surrounded by these other wheelchair bodybuilders who are a bunch of alpha males, you know, they're really like tough guys and everything. But there's a lot of disabled people out there that they never got over their accident. 20 years after their accident, they're still just as devastated. I'm like, okay, in that case, you got to go to therapy or something because your depression and stuff is stopping you from doing the workouts and dieting and making the most out of your situation. You know, so don't let what happened to you define you. It would be another thing that I would tell you. Well, that's a very good point. Do you see a lot of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of see one one or the other. There's not really much of a middle ground. There's disabled people that they kind of just live in that that trauma their whole life. And what, what whatever accident they were in, it defines their entire life. Or I see the other side of the spectrum, which is all these guys I do bodybuilding with, where they're a bunch of alpha males and the main thing that you'll remember him for isn't that he was the guy who got in the car accident. You'll remember him as the guy who won the Olympia four times. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's all good information. I bet it is devastating, you know, because like you said, you're on stage with people from all different circumstances and you were born with this. So you kind of had had some time to warm up with it, uh, you know, and get used to it. But some of these guys, I would imagine, you know, as early as just a few years ago, maybe this happened to them. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So it is traumatic, but I, I agree with you. Go out and get some help. Don't let that define you and get your head back in the game uh, eventually, hopefully, and start moving forward and, um, you know, just uh, mix back in with society and, and try to live a, a normal, happy life. Yeah. And then look at all these guys in the wheelchair division. Look what they're doing. I mean, they look like Arnold, but sitting down, you know, they, they look like superheroes. So, I mean, like they're just realize all you could still be, even though you're in that car accident, realize how crazy your life could still be, how, how wonderful it could still be, you know? Right. Right. One of those guys, by the way, uh, Dorian's training them, right? Yeah. um, I don't think not anymore, but uh, it was like two years ago. Uh, his name's Gabriel. He trained with Dorian for a, a good chunk of time and he came back looking crazy. He came back looking way better than before. And yeah. now every time he's on stage, he only loses to our top guy, uh, Harold. So he uh, consistently beats all of us except the top guy after training with Dorian. <laughs> well, you're but, hanging in there, man. Fourth and fifth place, man. And, and you're getting thicker every year. You're looking way better each year. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with just kind of maintaining my spot in the top five. <laughs> Yeah. Well, all right. Well, Jim, you got any other questions, Marty? No, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very inspirational. And, and what I was thinking was if, if your child was born with a disability or, or even, you know, a young kid who has something happen to him, like Tyler was saying, an accident, what great role models to say, you know, let's, let's look at Tyler Bray's Instagram. This yeah. is what you can do. Don't feel, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. I mean, it's tough for all of us to understand what it's really like, but that'd be the first thing I did. I'd, I'd say, look, you can do it too. And here's, here's proof of it right here. You know, so I think yeah. that's fantastic. Well, Tyler is, if you go to Iron Company, go to the bottom of the page, there's a link called Forged Passion Community. And I thought, you know, I told Tyler, I said, you're perfect. You are the definition of Forged Passion. And we've got a story up there um, and you can check that out. I think we have a video or two up there too. Um, but yeah, he's the definition of forged passion. I mean, just taking what you've got, whatever uh, adversity or whatever you're going through um, and just 
accepting it and going forward and being the best version, creating the best version of yourself, um, that's all you can do, you know, and we're not competing against others. We're competing against ourselves at all times. I mean, all we can do is be the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's it. Roger that. So, um, all right. So, Tyler, uh, if you want to check him out, you're on Instagram. You don't have a, a website yet, but uh, uh, go to Instagram. Uh, your address is at Black Belt Bodybuilding. And um, so check him out on Instagram there. Do, do, you, next... do, you have any, do you have any events or competitions coming up? Yes. Yeah, my next one, I'm going to do a, a show in Dallas in uh, June. And then after that, the Olympia. Yeah, will now, what, now, what do you mean by December. a show? What, what, uh, bodybuilding. Bo bodybuilding, okay. All right. Yeah. Now, are you planning on competing in the Olympia this year? Yeah, and then the uh, the next Olympia will be next December. So that'll be right, my next right. two shows. That's going to be in Vegas. So you looking to put on five pounds of muscle? Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to be uh, good five, five, six pounds bigger by then, but... It's hard, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Good. Well, Great. if you if you do what you did last time, last year, I mean, you put on so much size, so just just keep doing that. Yep, just rinse and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rinse and repeat. Um, all right. So, yeah, Olympia 2022 is going to be in Vegas, December 2022. Uh, you've also got a supplement uh, sponsor, All Max Nutrition, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm with All Max. I've been with them since uh, – 2020 yeah okay and their instagram is at team all max so you can check them out and tyler's on there talking about their stuff all the time protein powders and, and different things they have yeah they got um, everything i've needed so it's it's been a, a great partnership since uh since 2020 they've got everything i've ever needed it's been a big blessing right yeah and you've you've been a uh you've been a um a team member of, you know, a partner of Iron Company for, for years and years. I mean, like I said, yeah. we've known each other for about 12 years, but yeah, something like that. 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. You're always out there throwing our name out there and wearing our shirts and we appreciate that. So we're, we're glad to support you any way we can. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Also, we've got Marty's weekly column raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. You can check his latest articles, uh, on the uh, history of Dave Draper. We just posted that and uh, Marty wrote a very nice uh, kind of farewell article, I guess, if you will, to Dave Draper. He just recently passed. Um, and it's interesting because it talks about his uh, back early in the day when Joe Weider discovered him uh, when he was 18 and some of the movies that he did early on, products and, and, and ads that he used to do um so great article get in there and check that out um and you can also check him out on instagram at the marty gallagher and of course his wife stacy her website is functional strength.org and that's where you can find a lot of different articles and, and different things too and marty your book just came back in purposeful primitive yep back, in, um, back up and running now you yeah. don't have to pay. Now you don't have to pay four hundred euros for it anymore. <laughs> well, you remember Brian on our podcast before? One of my clients, he bought two copies. He was so so excited it came out. Yeah. <laughs> I had some guy come into the gym the other day and show me a 
copy of the cone book, Cone the Man, the Myth, oh, and yeah. Method. I said, where'd you have to pay for that? And he said, oh, it was a bargain, 250 bucks. I said, what? And then he gave you your cut, right? <laughs> well, I told him, he really wanted me to autograph it. And I told him I would for 500 bucks. There you go. <laughs> well, where yeah. can we find your book at now? Mine? Yeah. Dragon Door. For, I, I don't know if it's on Amazon. I hope it is. I, I assume it's it is. Door. I think it's Dragon Door. Well, Dragon Door for sure. Dragondoor.com. Is it on Amazon too? No, Amazon. not Amazon. Not yet. Yeah, so it's, it's coming. out there. Snap them up. We were getting tons of inquiries. Hey, when's Marty's book going to come back? Because we got it on our site too. I don't think we've got it for sale yet. I've been uh, just kind of waiting to for the copies to settle in and then we're going to put it back up. What's what's funny is I recommend there's a personal trainer at the gym where I train and he said, man, give me two books. I got to have, you know, and I said, well, Bill Starr's Strong Shall Survive and Marty Gallagher's Purposeful Primitive. And he's like, well, you think I'm rich? Because <laughs> Purposeful Primitive was like $400 and Stars was like $400. Yeah, that's a thousand bucks. I was like, yeah, man, you should have just known the men. If you just knew the men, you would have your copy. If anybody's in the need for powerlifting equipment, bodybuilding equipment, you know, all, all your strength equipment, free weights, uh, gym flooring, cardio equipment, check out ironcompany.com. We've been around since actually 1996. We're a manufacturer and a dealer of many different brands. So whatever you might need for your, your home gym from flooring on up, uh, just let us know. We do a lot of uh, work with our military all over the world. Uh, thank you to the men and women around the world that are serving and, and that are our partners out there. We appreciate it. And then we've got uh, new Jim Steele articles can be found in our articles section. This latest one is competitive, his competitive bodybuilding experience. Now you've got another one that's coming out. Um, yep. What would be pretty soon here about equipment? Yeah, five, my five, my current five pieces of favorite equipment okay. and i just added a bonus piece because it's tough oh. whittling it down you know but uh yeah right. it's fun fun to work on it <clears throat> so you're it, gonna give us some it? secrets would, would what's that martin if we asked would it ruin it if we asked you what the five were i don't know i can uh, surely tell you give, uh, give us one or two give us give us the top one or two well olympic barbell of course and i'm partial to the karwaski bar okay um you still sell that jp Man, we sold out of them. Uh, no, I don't know if I should make sure. It that's was number one. That's number one because you know why I like that bar? And, and because of the aggressive knurling. See, I don't like those smooth. People are like, oh, it's cut your hands up. But it really doesn't. When I used to go into a meet and they had that diamond on that Texas bar, that diamond knurling, I was excited. Yeah. I knew I would never, you know, you, you can't lose your grip on that. Anyway, uh, and then I really liked the bent Olympic bar. That was one of them uh, for right. squats. Have you used that, Marty? Besides just the one that's already bent. Oh, uh, you mean like the one with the Paul Anderson looking bar? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they've yeah. they've commercialized those now. They sell those. Um, yeah, we were selling them for a while. Yeah. And then the, the safety squat bar. I really like the safety squat bar. Love that mm -hmm. bar. Yeah. Right. So that's three of them. All right. Yeah. It's all free weights. Yeah, well the no machines. No, I have the selectorized cable machine I use for uh, for for some chest assistance and for yeah. over, overhead pressing. My 
you know, my elbows and all that to just to get the dumbbells to my shoulders is a real pain. And so the, the cable stuff has been uh, sort of a godsend, you know, and they, you know, you can do it with those functional trainers, mm-hmm. you know, with the cables or you can do all that stuff. You can just move the selectorized stack uh, yeah. or the, you know, the height up and down. Yeah. Well, they kind of do it all and it's, it gives you like a, a one-stop shop for all your accessory work. Yeah. You, yep. You I know. like that. Stuff. Yeah. All right. And then your website is bossbarbell.com, B-A-S barbell.com for training, hunting, hijinks, whatever, you know, whatever comes to mind, it's on there. Yep. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you very much, Tyler. That was great information. I know I learned a few things. Uh, You're an inspiration to us all, I think. Uh, I appreciate your humbleness. And everything that you do out there. And it's been a pleasure knowing you for the, the past 12 years. So maybe we'll have you on again uh, in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Todd. Right. Thank you, buddy. Right. Thanks, guys. Bye.